0: Just a couple of things before we get to the word. First of all, once again, I'll put this shirt away uh, off the pulpit here, but I just want to encourage you guys, if you do wear T-shirts, and many people in Nebraska do these things, uh, this is a good way to witness for the Lord and help us with ministry fundraising at the same time. These are the T-shirts that the June, July, and August tour group members wore during the summer months overseas, and, uh, you know, uh, it, it generates a lot of income for us and a lot of interest for those that look at it and start asking questions. And so the first part of what, the front part of the shirt is Army. It's just a military theme because we are members of the Army of the Lord. And the Bible is a military manual, if you understand it for what it is. It talks about warfare, enemies, enemy occupation, enemy tactics, how to deal with covert operations, the whole nine yards. So I wanted it to be a military theme, so this is what we did. The uh, front says Army and then Special Forces, established 33 AD. And then on the back, more information about who we are and what we do with our tagline, We Are, Therefore We Go. So those are available and help yourself to those there after service. And, uh, I guarantee it will give you a couple good years of occupation and wear. And then, uh, you know, we'll be producing more of these as the, as the uh, time goes by. As the return of Jesus draws closer, we'll be doing these each summer for the tour group members that are going overseas. And thank you again for uh, your support, once again, for the um, uh, outreaches and the results from this summer's outreach uh, and the crusade work that we finished. I talked about this a little bit earlier today. And so there were 5,235 recorded souls, recorded names of kids and adults that raised their hands to accept Jesus. And as a result, we are planting at least two new churches in these places where we went. We went to 18 separate places, okay, but um, you know, of those, there were some that were virgin in the sense that there was no works there, and so God has instructed us to start planting churches that is in existence right now, about uh, three days' travel, three days' travel. Encompassing land and sea, literally land and sea, to get there. It's on, it's on another island, two other islands. Yeah, get me a little bit of feedback there. So feel free to rewire me. Okay. Thank you, Lord. All right. So, yeah, three days. That was, I mentioned earlier today, that was the church that was leveled by the hurricane. The one that was wiped out, yeah, by the way, the hurricane the typhoon it was called typhoon high and this was November of two thousand and thirteen. ten thousand people were killed. You know you talk about natural disasters, ten thousand people were killed. They were collecting bodies for months in trees, under debris, all kinds of things. Our church was leveled, but it's been rebuilt, so praise the Lord. Um, I do want to invite you. uh, We can do this quickly. I asked Pastor Gardner if he would be okay with me doing this. If you would like to sign up for our e-newsletter, I can walk you through this in one minute here this afternoon. If you have your cell phone and want to be on our e-newsletter mailing list, maybe we just send it to you. If you don't like it, you can just delete it, you know, of course. But all you do, you're sending a text message. So if you pull out your phone, okay, you're going to send a text message and the Message is four letters, M K M I. Okay, all caps. M K M I. And you send that to 22828. 22828. And you can send it right now. Okay. And what you'll get is a reply from Constant Contact. Hmm? Well, oh, okay. You're doing good, Abe. So you take MKMI, you send it to 22828. They will reply and ask you for your preferred email address. And you insert your preferred email address that you want uh, to be registered with. And then you send that back to Constant Contact. And then they will send you a reply telling you that you have been confirmed. Okay? So that's all it takes. And then you're on our list. And then when we send out e-newsletters, you will be included. Okay? Okay? Anybody, have you walked through the whole process yet? All done? Yeah, it's that quick. It takes that much time. You can do this in a matter of a minute or two. Okay? So once again, you te- text it to MKMI to 22828, and then, you, then when they reply, you insert your preferred email address, and you send that back to them, and then you're registered, and that's all it takes. And so we'll be sending out our first e-newsletter within a couple of weeks for this month, September 2019. So we'll be looking for that, okay? All right, so let's just review quickly what we talked about earlier today. As I said at the beginning of the message, uh, it's in my heart, it's one of these mandates from God to talk to uh, the body of Christ and help us understand who we are in Christ. If you don't understand who you are, you can't be who you are. You can't do what you are ordained by God to do. And this is the problem with many Christians. They are in love with Jesus, but they're ignorant of what Jesus died to provide for them and what he died to make them in Christ, okay? And as a result, they allow a defeated enemy to push them around, which is a tragedy of epic proportions. It's an insult to the cross of Christ to allow a defeated enemy, whose name is Satan, to push us around when we have the authority in the name of Jesus to push him around. We should be terrorizing him rather than the other way around. But Christians who don't know who they are live in the same kind of fear that unbelievers live in because they're afraid of the future. Our future is set and secure. No matter what goes on around us in this world in which we live, which, by the way, is getting more, you know, evil and crazier by the day, okay, we still have promises that are ever. Ever the same, never changing, God is still God and we are still his beloved. And as a result, we have exceedingly great and precious promises that we can stand on no matter what's going on around us, if we know what the promises are and if we know who we are in Christ. So we began talking earlier today about the fact that when we were born again, we were made and... Declared to be ambassadors for Christ. We looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 20, which is the good verse to start with, where Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he says, Now we are ambassadors for Christ. We are now ambassadors for Christ. And so we began talking about what it means to be. An official, uh, an official representative or an ambassador from heaven to earth. We covered five, and I'll just briefly review these. So if you want to check your notes, just check these with me. Number one, an ambassador is a high-ranking minister of state, chosen of royalty, sent to another state to represent his own country. Okay, that's number one. An ambassador is a high-ranking minister of state, chosen of royalty, sent to another state to represent his own country. That's number one. Number two, an ambassador does not appoint himself. Okay? Jesus appoints us. He is the one who appointed us. Okay? Number three, an ambassador is not a citizen of the country he's in, but of the country he's from. Okay? We are not citizens of earth. We are citizens of heaven, spiritually speaking. Okay? And we are not part of the devil's kingdom any longer. We have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son, Jesus. Okay, so we are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven. Okay, number four, the ambassador does not support himself. He does not live off the country he's in, but from the country he's from. So his resources come from the country that sends him, not from the country he is assigned to. Okay, and in our case, heaven is the country, if you will, or the kingdom that sent us. And so there are no shortages in heaven. Okay, there are no, there's no inflation, there are no recessions, there's no problems in heaven ever. No matter what's going on down here, heaven is constant and that is our source for supply. All right, number five, an ambassador's instructions are always in written form, so there's no doubt about our duties and assignments. Okay, and the written form for us is the Word of God. These are the written assignments from God. It doesn't matter what we're going through. The Bible remains the same. Prices go up, prices go down. The stock market goes up. The stock market goes down. Democrats are in control. Republicans are in control. It doesn't matter. The promises never change, never change, okay? All right. And so we, if we read the instructions and stick to the instructions, then the promised results will always be for us, okay? All of these promises in the Bible have with it, if you do this, I'll do this. That's how this works. I'm promising that if you do this, God, your Father, I'll do this. If we do what we can, God will do what we cannot. That's how it works, okay? We do what we can, and God does what we can't, all right? And then number... Um, yeah. Okay, that's it. We did 5. Did I miss one? Let me think. No, I covered them all. Okay, good. All right, so let's let's proceed now to number 6. An ambassador is not subject to the laws of the country he's in, but from the country he's from. The ambassador is not subject to the laws of the country he's in, but from the country he's from. It's called diplomatic immunity. Okay. The ambassador is not subject to the laws of the country that he is working in as an ambassador. He is subject to the laws of the country who sent him, okay? That embassy where he resides, that is foreign property, okay? That is the way this works. In Manila, we have the United States Embassy. That is United States property there. That's how it's considered to be, okay? It's actually foreign soil, but officially it's U.S. property, Okay, that is where he lives. That is his property. Okay, and the Philippine embassy in Washington, uh, we look at it the same way. That's the Philippines property in America, where the ambassador to America resides. Okay, so it says here, or we see from Scripture that we are not as ambassadors of heaven. We're not subject to the laws of the earth to where we are sent. We're subject to the laws from heaven to which we were sent from. Okay. Um. This is important to remember because, see, the devil roams around as a roaring lion and he condemns people for the sins and the mistakes they make. Trying to convince us that for some reason, because of sins we've committed or mistakes we've made, God is finished with us. Or we've committed what is commonly referred to as the unpardonable sin and uh, all of these things, okay? And the devil sits on our shoulder and whispers these lies in our ears. And then again, we're surrounded by people, many of them even Christians, but carnal Christians or Christians that lack knowledge. And we are judged and condemned over mistakes made and things of this nature when we fail to remember that our life and our ministry is subject to the laws of heaven And as a result, we stand by those laws and we report to God. We do not report to one another. Are you listening? Okay. Why? Because God appointed us. We answer to him. We don't answer to the world. We don't answer to anyone in the world. We answer to God. Okay. Look with me at Psalms 9110. Let's look at a few verses to support this. Psalms 9110. The 91st Psalm. Verse number 10 from Psalms 91. And look with me at the 10th verse. Okay. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Okay. You should stand on those verses. Stand on those statements. For your household, for your business, for whatever is dear to your heart, you need to take the stand and say, no evil shall befall me here. And no plague shall come near my dwelling. And anybody even living in my dwelling is subject to the covering that I provide. In our compound in the Philippines, we have a standing rule. No no sickness allowed here. No oppression here. No condemnation allowed inside our walls. Because we operate according to a different set of rules, a different set of laws. The laws come from God, not from each other here. Okay, so there's no condemnation allowed in here. If you're walking around with condemnation, you need to get your act together or we'll throw you out in love. Amen. I'm not going to put up with that. I'm not going to put up with people roaming around feeling sorry for themselves, condemned over sins they've committed. I'll say to people, did you ask the Lord to forgive you? To which they will usually say, yes, I've done this. I said, well, then what are you walking around with a long face for? Well, I just don't feel forgiven. You're not forgiven because you feel forgiven. You're forgiven because you asked for it. And you received it by faith, not by feelings. You can still feel terrible, but you're forgiven. No matter how you feel about it, you may have let the Lord down in some great, significant way. It doesn't make any difference. If you ask the Lord to forgive you, you're forgiven. Get up, dust yourself off, put your helmet back on, pick up your weapons, and re-engage the enemy. And quit feeling sorry for yourself. You're not subject to the laws of this land. You're subject to the laws from the land that sent you. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Get over it. Paul made this statement in Philippians chapter 3. He said, I forget the things which are behind. I press forward to the things ahead of me. And I strive for the excellence of the high calling of God in Christ. This man had enough sense to leave the past behind because he knew that he received forgiveness from God. He's not going to let those past mistakes rob him of his future potential. Okay. Why? Because we're not subject to the laws of the country we're in. Okay? We're subject to the laws of the country we are from. Look with me at first uh, John 1 9, another classic verse. First John one and 9. First John chapter 1, verse number 9. It says if we confess our sins. Notice the word we. The writer includes himself. We. He didn't say if you confess your sins. The writer, who is the apostle John, includes himself. Okay? If we confess our sins, he, that would be God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All. All. The last time I checked means all. There are no exceptions. See, some people will lead you to believe that you have to confess every sin that you can think of to get forgiven by God. No, that's not the case. You confess the sins, you know, you committed obviously because you know, you committed them, but there are things we do, uh, things we say, attitudes we express many times that are contrary to scripture and we just go on with our life and we forget about what we said four months ago or three months ago or something, okay, those were sins committed, but we just went on with our life and really kind of forgot about it. Okay, those are still out there, but if you ask the Lord to forgive you for the sins you do know you committed, he automatically steps in and forgives you for the ones you, know, you didn't know you committed. Says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, he knows our heart. He wants. He, he looks into the heart. Okay, we're not. It's not a checklist kind of thing, you know, where you know we got to run around and have this little checklist. Well, you know, I I told a little white lie three weeks ago at four p.m. and I got to confess that. And then you know, two and a half weeks ago, I I you know I misrepresented the, my myself to my neighbors and I lied about something. And you know, you you don't have to do that. You're not subject to the laws down here. You're subject to the laws from up here. And he covers us. He knows what we've done. He knows our heart. That's what we are concerned about, the heart. Okay? He knows if we're sincerely repentant or he knows if we're not, if we're just playing games. How many understand that? Okay? He understands the difference. Okay? Timothy writes, and he says, God knows those who are his. He knows when we're really sincere about the mistakes we've made, and we're genuinely sorry, even if we don't actually confess every single one of them because it's impossible to do. You can't do that, and that's not the way he wants us to live our life anyway, walking around with this kind of this spiritual scoreboard behind our head, okay? It's not the way God wants us to live, and that's the way he does not want us to operate that way, okay? Um, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. So let me just make this very personal here tonight. If you're laboring under condemnation because of something you did that you knew and you know is wrong, and it's a sin that is affecting your relationship with the Lord, you need to leave it here right tonight and move on from it. Ask the Lord to forgive you and forget it and move on. Receive your forgiveness by faith, not by feelings. The feelings, they come and they go. But the forgiveness is a choice you choose to make, and God honors that choice and forgives you. And he he does this based upon the work of Jesus on the cross. Remember, the, the reason we are forgiven is not because we're somebody special. It's because Jesus is somebody special and we're in Christ. Okay? The key words in the New Testament are the words in Christ. Everything we have, we have because we're in him. Outside of him, we have nothing. Okay? But in him, we have everything. We have righteousness. We have prosperity promise. We've got authority. We've got all these wonderful gifts in him. And the way we get in Him is by accepting Him as Lord and Savior of our life. And when we do, we become the righteousness of God in Christ. All things become new. Old things pass away and all of that, praise God, because we're in Him. So when we say to the Lord, Father, I'm sorry. I blew up. I said some things I knew were wrong. I got angry. I just, you know, flipped out and said some things. I'm so, I'm sorry, you know, please forgive me. Okay, and God says, okay. He doesn't look at you and say, okay, because you're somebody cool, I'm going to forgive you. He looks over at the mercy seat. He sees the blood of Jesus on the mercy seat, and based upon that blood on that mercy seat, thank God it's not a judgment seat. It's a mercy seat. He says, okay, I forgive you based upon my son's blood on that mercy seat. Based upon his pure blood, I forgive you because we're in him. See? It's not because we're somebody special. We, we have no righteousness. Our righteousness, the Bible says, is like filthy rags to God. It's not our righteousness. It's his. And that's how we get our forgiveness. See, that's the, those are the rules we operate by, those rules, okay? Praise the Lord. Um, Hebrews 8.12. For this is God talking, and he says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Now, whether or not he actually does not remember or if he just he knows about it, but he just won't deal with it anymore. I don't know. Okay, I don't know if he does something to himself and just cancels it out of his mind and doesn't remember. it. I I can't think of it that way. I, I mean, God knows everything. So I'm more persuaded to think that he knows what we did, but he knows he forgave us. And so as far as he's concerned, that's finished. We're never going back to that. Okay, one way or the other. The point is, when we confess our sins, He does not remember them anymore. Have you ever had God talk to you this way, like I have, when I've felt bad about something I've done and I just keep feeling bad about it and I keep bringing it up because I just, you know, I just feel so raunchy and just I let God down and He says, and, he, and He'll He'll just cut right in. At least when I'm talking to Him in my prayer closet, and He'll say, "What are you talking about?" Well, you know, Lord, what I did last week, what I said, you know, you remember I, you know, had this argument with my wife or I had this blow up with this church member or whatever, driving around. I got behind, you know, Bobby boat and, you know, got angry when they're driving on the highway at 10 miles an hour when it's a 55, whatever the point you remember that Lord. And he says, no, 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 I don't remember that. I said, what do you mean you don't remember that? He said, "Uh, did you not ask me to forgive you? Yes. Then what are you bringing it up for? I forgave you. So I forget it. Why don't you? Move on. See? There ought to be a big sign in the back of most churches in the pulpit. Move on. Because the church is full of people looking up at the pulpit, carrying all this baggage around with them, all these sins that they committed. And even if they asked the Lord to forgive them, they just keep holding on to the baggage. Okay? Don't do that. All right? God's told me many times, I'm finished with that. Quit bringing it up. He'll tell me, I'm finished with that. Quit bringing it up. Okay? I forgave you, so why can't you forgive yourself? That's another message people need to learn to do. Forgive yourself and move on from the mistakes made because we all make them. All right. So the ambassador is not subject to the laws of the country he's in, but from the country he is from. Okay? There is blood on a mercy seat, my friends. That blood is there for our benefit. Okay? Jesus didn't die for his benefit. He didn't need to. He died for our benefit. So because there's blood there for us, take advantage of it, receive your forgiveness, and move on. The world will never forget. By the way, have you found out that they will never forgive you of sins? They will always keep bringing up the stuff you did 50 years ago. Well, you know, remember what they did in 1969? Remember what they did in 1977? Remember? What? That's the world, okay? That's not the way God operates, okay? And when people bring things up like that in my life, I'll say, okay, let me just stop you right there. First of all, I'm finished with that. I gave that to the Lord. He accepted my ask or my request for forgiveness. I received it, and we're not talking about that anymore. So you've got nothing to talk about. You can talk about it all you want, but I'm not going to entertain you because God's not going to talk about it, so I'm not going to talk about it. So go take your venom and go somewhere else, okay? Spread it all over the place if you wish. But see, I'm working with a different set of rules here. I'm operating from heaven's perspective, not from yours. You may never forgive me, but God forgave me, and I forgave myself. So we move on, okay? They can't handle that because what they want is revenge. They want to see pain. They want to see you suffer for what they think you did, and they want to see you suffer. That makes them feel better. And they can't handle the fact that God just forgives and moves on from it, just like, you know, we're supposed to do with each other, Okay? All right, number seven, an ambassador does not live in his assigned country for his own personal acceptance, interests, popularity, or gain. I'll repeat that for you, okay? Number seven, an ambassador does not live in his assigned country for his own personal acceptance, interests, popularity, or gain. We're not here to make friends with everybody. We're not here to be friends with everybody. You're never going to be friends with everybody, so just forget it. You can't do it. It's not possible. If you're going to represent Jesus the way you need to represent him, you will make many enemies in your life. There will be people who just can't stand your guts because of who you represent because they are governed by darkness. And Jesus said, when light shines upon the darkness, the darkness doesn't like it. They don't like to be uncovered. Okay? But the point is, when we are ambassadors for Christ, we're not living in our assigned country for our own personal benefit or gain, okay? Like I said earlier, I think I said this earlier, but even if I didn't, prosperity is a scriptural message. I want to prosper and I want to have things to do things for God, okay? But at the same time, I don't worship the things, I just use things, okay, like airplanes, as an example, or automobiles or buildings or, you know, you need things to do things for God, okay? So I don't apologize for wanting things because I know what I'm going to use them for. They're going to be used for the the kingdom of God. They're not going to be used for my personal personal, uh, gain or uh, aggrandizement or whatever the case may be. I'm going to use them for the kingdom of God. So I don't apologize for that, all right? Praise the Lord, because I'm not working as an ambassador for Christ for my own personal gain. I'm not preaching the gospel to to scam money off of your pocket and go out and buy a bunch of, you know, ridiculously expensive things that I don't really need, that don't really apply to my ministry. You understand what I'm saying? You know, everybody has their own conscience, and I leave it between other people and God. But for me, you know, having lived overseas for 40 years and seeing the way people live, you think, you think we are we have people here that's poor? You ought to go live in the third world. You'll see real poverty, real poverty. The stuff we have here, we call it poverty. You know, those people over there, they call that being rich. What we call poverty here is what the other people around the world calls poverty, you know, rich, according to their concept. You know, I mean, I've seen things you can't hardly believe how the way, how the way people are living or existing, really. And so, you know, I, I for one, I can't buy these these huge homes that have 59,000 square feet where you got to take a tour of the west wing to find out what's over there because you haven't been there for half a year I you know I I want a nice house that I use every room every room has a purpose every room has a purpose and if every room has a purpose I have no problem with having a big house if I need a big house for doing the work of the lord Are you listening Amen, Amen? I mean you know as long as I can justify it In my mind as to what I'm doing here for the Lord, I've got no problem with it. No matter how expensive it may be, if it's necessary, God can afford it. But I don't want to be, you know, uh, greedy under the guise of prosperity. I don't want that. I don't don't need that. And I have problems with people who can't see that, okay? But that's just me. But the point is, I'm not here for my own personal advancement. I'm not doing this so so I can be rich at your expense, (coughs) Okay. And the other side of this point is that when I'm criticized, I don't really care what you think. I'm sure you can probably discern that by now. But the point is, you know, it doesn't matter if you say yay or nay to the things I do or say because I'm not reporting to you. I'm reporting to Jesus. I'm going to stand before his judgment seat, not yours. So it doesn't matter how you respond. I'm blessed if you do, because I know that what I'm sharing with you is truth and it will help you. So I'm blessed if you say yay and amen and we're all on the same boat and on the same page and all that. But if you, you know, drag me out of the synagogue, you know, and throw me in front of a bus or something, well, that's, that's not my problem. That's your problem, okay? That's what they did to Jesus. I mean, you know, we read these four Gospels, but you ought to pick out these certain parts where he was persecuted for what he did. I'll show one of them to you. Look at Luke chapter four. This is Jesus. Luke chapter four. Let's see. Near the end of the chapter, verse twenty-eight, Luke four twenty-eight. Some people have this idea that Jesus Christ roamed around for three and a half years and had some kind of glorified spiritual party everywhere he went. Hmm? I got to tell you, once John the Baptist baptized him in the River Jordan and God, the Holy Spirit, came down in the form of a dove and the voice came down from heaven from the Father. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. From that moment on, the game was on. And I mean, for three and a half years, the devil did everything but throw the kitchen sink at Jesus, trying to trip him up, uh, stop him, you know, have him arrested they have Pharisees. He used them. He tried to use the Sadducees. He tried to use the Roman government. He he did end up using Judas, but I mean, he looked for every possible angle to get in and wreck the ministry of Jesus. Everywhere he went, he was resisted. Everywhere he went. Okay. He was always uh, friends with some and enemies of many. Okay. Now it's human nature to be loved by everybody. And of course we feel good when we are, but you know, it's not so good to feel like you're doing the work of the Lord, and people are throwing things at you and cursing at you and threatening you and burning your house down and all the other things they do in other parts of the world for the message that we share, same message. Here, Jesus delivers his message in the synagogue, okay? He says, basically, I am who the Scriptures declare the Messiah is to be. I am your Messiah, if I may just summarize the previous verses. The response was not exactly a positive response. Look at verse 28. It says, so all of those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. Now, have you ever been in front of a crowd that's full of wrath towards you? It's not a very pleasant experience, okay? You know, it's bad enough when you preach in the gospel and you got one or two, you know, cranky people, and they're mumbling and, you know, people just fall apart just because they've got one or two cranky people criticizing or looking, you know, staring at them or something. Jesus had an entire church staring at him angry, full of wrath, it says. And th- that's not all. They w- they rose up and thrust him. The word thrust means throw. They threw him out of the church. Thrust him out of the church and out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which the city was built that they might throw him over the cliff. Gee, hmm, I'm sensing a little bit of resistance here. Just a little bit. How about you? I mean, the point is, you know, how would you respond if, you know, your beloved pastor got up and shared a message that you thought was so off the rails, you got so insulted, so angry, so mad in a fit of of, you know, jealous rage, you stood up and grabbed this man physically and yanked him, dragged him out of the church across the parking lot into the road attempting to throw him in front of a passing car? Would he would he, be back, would he be back in the pulpit the following Sunday preaching another message about the love of Jesus? I mean, ask yourself questions like that. Jesus did it. They took him to the brow of a hill to throw him off. They didn't take him to the brow of a hill to show him the sights of Nazareth. There's the airport, Jesus. There's the Holiday Inn. There's the convention center. You know, There's the movie theater, Jesus. No, no, no. They, threw him, they took him to the edge of the hill to throw him off the hill. They were going to kill him. But look what he did. Verse 30, then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. He let them take him to the brow of the hill, and then he said, you know, I've had enough of this. I'm out of here. Turned around and walked through the middle of the crowd that was attempting to throw him off the cliff, and they stood there and let him go. Explain to me how this can happen. I mean, you know, when a crowd is so incensed that they, in one accord, rise up and grab the object of their hatred, which in this case was Jesus the speaker, and they drag him out of the church, and they drag him to the edge of the cliff, and they are going to throw him off. That's why they took him to the edge of the cliff, not to show him the sights of the city, but to throw him off and kill him. And he, at the edge of the cliff, says, no, 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 no. You're not doing any such thing. I'm not done with my work for the Lord. I'm, in fact, I'm just starting. I'm out of here. He turns around, and as they're standing there with, ready to throw him off, they just stand there and let him walk right on through the crowd and go his way. Why? Because he's not subject. He's not there for their personal acceptance. He doesn't care what they do. Paul made a statement to the Corinthians like this. He said, whether you people accept me or reject me, I don't really care. I'm going to go... Where God tells me to go, I'm going to stay as long as God tells me to stay, whether you like it or not. I was sent to Corinth. You may like me, you may hate me, but I'm going to stick around as long as God tells me to, whether you like it or not, because I'm not subject to your personal opinions and your personal acceptance or not. I am working according to another set of standards, another set of rules. I report to someone else, not you. And when you understand this as an ambassador, you are free to obey God. You're free. It doesn't matter how people respond. You would like for them to respond in a positive way. But if they don't, so what? It's not going to affect the message. Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't, uh, bottom line, let's say it this way. Don't take insults personally. Don't hold any grudges. Oh my God, they they don't like me. (laughs) And they go into an emotional cocoon for six months. Take antidepressants in all of this. Why? Because somebody tore up your track. Okay, man, I've had them flip me off. I've had them shoot at me. I've had them try to knife me in the middle of my message. All it does is just make me more angry to go ahead and keep doing what I'm doing. It's a mindset. You got to work on it, praise the Lord. But, you know, hold no grudges, forgive the idiots, praise the Lord, and move on. Because you protect yourself when you do. Let God defend you. Amen? Amen. Let God defend you. Why? Because he's the one that sent you. Okay? He's the one that sent you. Which then brings us to point eight. And I like this one. The ambassador is protected not by the country he's in, but from the country he's from. You should remember that. The ambassador is not protected from the country he's in, but he's protected from the country he's from. Okay? In Manila... At the United States Embassy, there are Marine guards. There is a Marine detachment, and they are assigned to guard the embassy. The Philippine Army does not guard the embassy. The U.S. Marines do, okay? Now, the Philippine Army can help out, you know, uh, outside the walls, but they're not inside the walls of that embassy. The uh, Marines are at the checkpoints. The Marines are the ones occupying the security points within the embassy. Why? Because that's a U.S. embassy, okay? Okay. And you need to remember that because heaven sent you, heaven will protect you, okay? Where I work, that's important to remember, okay? Because as I was mentioning in conversation with uh, Mike and Micah and others and Kathy, you know, only on Mindanao on our country are we under martial law because only Mindanao is where all the fighting takes place. All the bombings, all the rebels, all the ISIS terrorist cells are all on Mindanao. Not far from where we're based. For the rest of the country, they can go about their business and there's no problems whatsoever, you know, uh, not on Mindanao. You got checkpoints everywhere and it's under martial law and all of these things, okay? But we travel around without fear because we know that we're from the country above and the country above is responsible for taking care of us. There have been many times when people have told me, don't go to this particular place because it's, it's insecure. It's unsecured. Okay. We have no military backups there. Blah, blah, blah. And I say, well, look, I appreciate your concern and for your, and for my safety. I appreciate your expression of concern for me, but t- God told me to go. Uh, we're going. We're going to go. Okay. So we do our part, and we know that God will do his, okay? There is a verse. uh, Look at 2 Timothy 4.17. There's actually many verses, but we'll just look at a few. Okay, wherever you go, you are protected. Do you realize that when you were born, angels were assigned to you? And they are assigned to you for the duration of your life. Wherever you go, you're never alone. There's always an angel, at least one, assigned to guard you what we call guardian angels many times things don't happen that are bad because the angels are at work doing what they're here to do only in heaven only in eternity will be able, will we be able to look back and actually see all the times the devil took shots at us and we never even knew he was shooting because the angels did their work you know i'll tell you um, it says in 2 Timothy 4:17 the lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. I want you to notice, he says here, look, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Why? Because he was on trial for his life. If you read the book of Acts, he was sent to Rome to stand trial before Caesar for the crime of sedition against the empire, punishable by death on a cross. That's what he was facing, okay? And he said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. That included Caesar and the Romans. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Can anybody tell me what that was all about? Remember the, you know, history and the... uh, the uh, Christians in the Colosseum being thrown to the lions. Guess who was in line to be thrown to the lions? Paul. He says, the Lord delivered me out of the, lo- uh, out of the mouth of the lion. They, they didn't have their way with me. Okay, I can't speak for the rest of the Christians, but I'm telling you my work was not done, so they're not going to throw me to anybody. There's no going to be no animal eating me. I'm not finished with my ministry yet. The Lord will deliver me and has delivered me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Why? Because he knows he's under divine protection. His work is not done. Praise the Lord. The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. Only when Paul knew his work was done, was he able, were they able to kill him? Only when Jesus knew his work was done, were they able to crucify him? He said, okay, you got, how many times did they try to kill him? Like the one we read a few minutes ago, try to throw him off the cliff and they couldn't in John, they tried to stone him to death and they couldn't do it. Okay. They tried many times. They tried to kill Paul many times and they couldn't do it. In fact, Acts records one time when they stoned him to death, made sure he was dead, and left, and the the dude popped back up. Boom. Okay? And went right back into the same city where they drew him out, dragged him out from to stone him. He says, my work's not done here. Okay? I mean, they tried to kill Paul many times and couldn't do it because he knew his work wasn't done yet. And the devil comes along from time to time and tries to do things in my life like that, and, hey, I'm sorry, but I'm not finished we got work to do for the Lord because I'm operating under a different set of security parameters here. Amen? I've got unseen escorts wherever I go. That doesn't mean I act irresponsibly. It just means that when I'm doing the Lord's work, I'm protected because I am an ambassador from another kingdom, from another country. Amen? Uh, We ride motorcycles a lot in the Philippines. It's a good place to ride motorcycles if you happen to like them, which I do. I've rode, rode motorcycles for 40 years. Had a few crashes along the way, but nothing serious, you know. In the cycling community, the two-wheel community, there's two kinds of people. There are those who have crashed and those that are going to. And you have to accept that going in, okay? You'll have a crash from time to time. You just want to make sure it's not fatal or not, you know, in, in, where it doesn't incapacitate you for the work of the ministry. But, I mean, in the Philippines, the number one hazard over there are dogs, animals, not people. In America, it's usually irresponsible drivers who can't see you or turn and turn into you or something like that. In the Philippines, it's animals. Dogs are everywhere. Stray dogs, okay? There's no leash. There's no little tag, you know, hi, my name is Puddles, you know, whatever the case may be. (laughs) Yes, Puddles, yes. Anyway, the point is, over there, it's just they're all over the place. And many times, they just run across the road right in front of you, many times. All my relatives, all my... Uh, nephews and cousins they all ride motorcycles every single one of them including my son they've all gone down on crashes on the highway with motorcycles coll- motorcycle collisions with dogs last june i had my closest encounter traveling at 70 kilometers an hour on a four-lane highway on my motorcycle this dumb dog just comes running across the road I hit the horn you know he just you know didn't hear it didn't care he just keeps running across the road you know And, I mean, you know, you swerve to miss these animals. And, you know, I had on a pair of riding boots, fortunately, and my boot hit the skull of the dog on my right side, okay? If that dog had been one inch farther across the road than he was, he would have gone under my front wheel, and I would have gone down at 70 kilometers an hour. And that would have been a a horrific crash. I'd be in the hospital probably still, okay? But because my boot hit the dog's skull, and he hadn't crossed the path of the front wheel yet, my boot kicked him free, and I just did a little, little of this and just kept on going. I went home, and I was praising God for days because I know that was the work of the angels. Did you go back for the dog, though? Hmm? <laughs> did you go back for the dog? Oh, no. <laughs> Pff, let the dog suffer. Yeah, praise the Lord. Don't give him any Alpo for a, a month. Praise God. I don't know what happened to the dog. I know he had a, a hell of a headache. Say that much. You know, getting hit by a boot at 70 kilometers an hour, you'll probably have a headache for a while. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But, I mean, those are just examples of what I'm talking about, okay? God takes care of us. He watches over us. All right, because we're protected not from the country we're in, but from the country we are from. Okay, then number, well, here's other verses. You don't have to turn there, but Psalms 105, verse 15 says, Do not touch God's anointed. Do not mess with his prophets, if I may paraphrase. Do not touch God's anointed. Do his prophets no harm. When people threaten you, you need to, in love, just simply say, you know what, if you're smart, you'll back off and shut up because the more you try to bother me, you're opening a door to the enemy and he's going to take you out. He's not taking me out and you're not taking me out. But if you keep on trying to persecute this church or trying to persecute this missions ministry like you are, you are the one that's going to pay a bad price for this, not me. Because you're opening a door to the devil because I'm anointed by God and you are not. So therefore, you're the one that's vulnerable here, not me. So I'm going to keep on doing what I'm going to keep on doing. But you are the one that's going to suffer for this. And I'll tell them straight up. So if you're smart, you'll just back off and disappear. You don't like what we're doing? That's, that's fine. You make your choice. But don't try to hinder us. Don't try to get in our way. Because if you do, you're going to suffer for it. Okay? Spiritual warfare. Here's another one. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16 and 17. This is where the assistant prophet walks out on the, on the uh, wall of the city. Uh, in the morning, and he he panics because the city overnight has been surrounded by enemy soldiers. He panics. He runs back in to tell the prophet, my God, my God, you know, we're surrounded. What are we going to do? We've got no escape path. They're going to slaughter us all. And the prophet just walks out, takes a look at all this, and says, okay, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Well, obviously, we're not talking about physical eyes because the prophet's assistant is panicking because of what he can see, Okay. The city's surrounded by enemy soldiers. They're cut off from any help. And he's in panic mode. But the prophet says, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his spiritual eyes. And he saw the mountain full of chariots and horses and, you know, flames of fire and angels and all of this. And the the prophet said, listen, just chill. Because they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And no matter where we go, friends, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Amen. So relax. Just do your work for the Lord. Never mind what people threaten to do because if you're not finished with your work, there's nothing they can do to stop you. Okay. Last point, number nine. Is this helping anybody? I love these, these points, man. I just meditate on this stuff because it really kind of brings it all back into perspective when we're tempted to be afraid or attempted, attempted to be nervous about the future, well, whatever. Okay. Verse number nine, or number nine, I should say. Number nine. When one nation declares war on another, its ambassadors are always recalled home first. That's very important to remember. When one nation declares war on another, all of its ambassadors are recalled home first. The first thing nations do when they're going to declare war, they close the embassy and they send the ambassador home. They recall him home. Okay? Now, what does that mean for us? There is a rapture coming. Okay, some people don't believe in it, but I believe it's in the Bible. It's as clear as the day is long. Okay, there's a rapture coming. Jesus is going to come back for his church before he comes back, before the tribulation starts. He's going to recall all the ambassadors home. That's us. That's the rapture of the church. All the ambassadors are being called home. Okay, that's the rapture. We're going to go up. We're going to go out, and the rapture will be the final act of the age of grace. It will be the first act of, of the seven year dispensation called the tribulation, Daniel's seventieth week. It's the rapture. That's the that's the event that will end the age of grace and begin the seven year tribulation, the rapture of the church. What's happening? The ambassadors are being called home. That's us. We're all being called home because war will be declared. Okay, we'll move away from the age of grace, which is the age we're living in now, and we'll go back to Jewish time, which is Daniel's 70th week, and God will no longer be dealing through the church. He'll be dealing through Israel. That's the 70th week of Daniel's 70 weeks. We've gone through 69 weeks prophetically, but we stopped, and the 70th week has not yet been completed. See, the, the New Testament age of grace was a mystery, Okay. The Jews did not realize that between Daniel's 69th and 70th week, the church would be inserted for 2,000 years. They didn't know this. It was a mystery. Okay, They didn't know the Gentiles were included in the plan of salvation either. That's why they were shocked when Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 and all of his Gentile friends were filled with the Spirit. They were shocked. They couldn't believe it because up until that happened, they thought Jesus died only for Jews. That was their mindset. Okay, The church was a mystery. See, it was inserted between the 69th and 70th week of Daniel's prophecy, okay? Now, the, the, the event that ends the church age is the rapture. And simultaneously, the event that begins Daniel's 70th week is the rapture of the church. It actually uh, takes care of two different prophetic events. One is the end of the age of grace, which is the one we're in now, and it begins Daniel's 70th week, which is the seven-year tribulation, okay? The rapture of the church And the second coming of Christ are not the same event. The rapture is for the church. The second coming is for the world. That's when the millennial reign is set up. That's when he comes back and puts his foot on the Mount of Olive and splits the mountain and sets up headquarters in Jerusalem. That's the second coming. That's at the end of the tribulation, okay, at the Battle of Armageddon and all of that. The rapture takes place long before that, seven years prior to. No one will see Jesus. He'll come in the sky, and the Bible says, in the blink of an eye, we're out of here. First Corinthians 15 talks about, in an atomic second, what the Bible refers to as the twinkling of an eye, which mean, really means just bat your eyes once, and that's how long it will take for the entire body of Christ to be removed from the planet, and we're, we're gone. That's when the ambassadors are being called home. Okay? Look with me if you would. Uh 1 Corinthians 15. I made reference to it. Let me show it to you. 1 Corinthians 15 and 51. Okay. Behold, I tell you a mystery. All right. You ought to study on the word mystery. Mystery is a Greek word, musterion. It means a secret known only to a select few. Okay? The church... And the church age is a mystery. If you read the New Testament, the word mystery appears all through these Pauline epistles, epistles. Okay, because he was given the revelation of the mystery. And the reason it's a mystery is because the Jews didn't know this. Satan didn't know this. The Bible says if Satan knew what would happen to him after he crucified Jesus, he never would have crucified him. But it was a trap because it was a mystery known only to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit through the Old Testament. It was then revealed to his holy prophets and apostles after the event, and that's the New Testament message, that the, that the Lord died for everybody, not just Jews, but for everybody. That was the mystery. And so he says here, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Notice, not everybody sleeps, but everybody's changed. Okay? Sleeping is a reference to physical death. But everybody's going to be changed. That's when we exchange our flesh and blood body for a flesh and bone body. Okay? Right now in heaven, Jesus is the only being in existence that has a flesh and bone body. He's the only one. All the other saints in heaven right now are just in spirit form. They don't have a flesh and bone body yet. But they will get one. Okay? At the rapture of the church, Okay? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, meaning to say their corruptible body, which is decayed in the graves, will be remade, flesh and bone. Okay? No more blood. And we shall be changed. What changes? Our body. The spirit doesn't change. We're born again. The spirit doesn't change. But the body changes. Because the body, the flesh and blood body, cannot go to heaven. Do you know why? Because we're cursed with sin. Why do we grow old? Because we're cursed with sin. Sin is in the earth, and the body comes from the earth. From dust we are, and from dust we shall return. The body comes from the ground. The ground is cursed until Jesus lifts the curse Physical bodies grow old and die. Physical bodies get sick. Physical bodies are born crippled. All kinds of things happen because of the curse of sin on the earth. Jesus will come and lift the curse during the millennium. That's why the Bible says during the millennium, the age of humans will be extended like it was before sin. Okay? I mean, there's all kinds of changes coming when you get rid of the flesh and blood body and replace it with a body that God makes. You know, the flesh and blood body is the body your, your parents made male and female, husband and wife. We made it. God's the father of the spirit, but the parents are the the guardians and the ones that institute the recreation of the body, flesh and blood. But see, when God does it, there'll be no sin involved. We'll all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Praise the Lord. All the imperfections will be gone. Amen. All the zits will be gone. Praise the Lord. All of it. It'll be perfect. I'll have my hair back. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I've already put in my request. I'm going to have a head of hair thicker than Absalom. Absalom's hair would like 26 pounds. Mine will tip in at maybe 50. I'm not sure, but I practice. You know, I stand in front of the mirror and I... You look like a troll. Yeah, I just flip it back like that. Hey, what's happening? What's happening? Praise the Lord. Let me tell you, when I get to heaven, you won't recognize me. These flowing mane, it'll be the spirit of Palomino. You know, I'll just have to have a name tag. Hi, this is Apostle Mike. Really? Yeah, it's me. Yep, that's me. Well, the point is, see, when one nation declares war on another, the ambassadors are called home. That's the rapture of the church. That's another reason why the rapture is a scriptural event, okay? People who criticize and say they don't believe in it don't understand what the ambassadors are here to do and how they're going to be called home. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're gone. And then that ends the age of grace and it begins the seven-year tribulation, okay? That's why the tribulation becomes the tribulation because the body of Christ right now is the salt and light of the earth. We are the ones holding back the tides of darkness, amen? I mean, look at, look at what's happening all around the world, the evil. Can you imagine what's gonna happen when the Christians are gone? When all the people who stand in the gap are gone? You can imagine what's gonna happen you know what I mean it's going to be mass chaos globally you know it'll be every man for himself it'll be like the tribulation the bible says there will be a, there has never been a time like it before or after when evil arises like it does it'll be gun gunshots all over the place war going on in the streets that's that's the tribulation but we won't be here praise the lord we'll be in heaven at the marriage supper of the lamb amen Good things to talk about. But the point is for us tonight, as ambassadors, we will be called home. We will not be subject to any of that. We'll be called home. Amen. Praise the Lord. Me and my hair will be called home. Praise the Lord, Jesus. Thank you, Father. All right. So. I want you just to step back and realize, hey, you know what? I am an I am an ambassador of a heavenly kingdom. I represent God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So I need to act like this. I need to talk like this. I need to think like this. I can't be just, you know, stumbling around like some buffoon that doesn't know who they are in Christ, okay? We need to carry ourselves with a certain sense of dignity, okay, and understand the fact that, hey, you know, I love you, but you're not going to push me around. You're not going to intimidate me, you meaning anybody out there that we encounter. You're not going to push me around. You're not going to intimidate me. I know who I am. Okay, maybe you don't, but I do. And I'm not reporting to you, and I don't care if you like me or hate me. I don't really care. I'm going to share the truth with you straight up. You can accept it or reject it. After that, it's between you and God. I've done my part. I have discharged my responsibilities. Now it's between you and God. See? So praise the Lord. Did anybody learn anything today? Amen. Take those points and meditate on those. Let God fill in the blanks. There's many verses for each point that we did not have time to cover. But I just want you to finish the year with a fresher appreciation for who God made you to be. You're not going to be an ambassador. You are one right now. You represent heaven. You represent Jesus. Amen. And I don't know about you, but the fact that I know I represent him helps me stay free from sin because I represent him. And I don't want him to be upset or or grieved with the life that I live. I don't want to have to stand before the Lord and try to explain my stupidity. I want to have him meet me at the judgment seat of Christ and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Good job, good job, good job. That's what I want to hear. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's what I want to hear and I hope that's what you want to hear as well. Amen. Instead of just, Well, where'd you disappear to? You know, I don't need that. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Praise the Lord. I want my life to count for something meaningful. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the word. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that the word is sown in good ground. I praise and thank you, Heavenly Father, for making us and choosing to make us ambassadors to represent you. What an honor to think, Lord, that with heaven and hell in the balance for every single human being that you would entrust us with your gospel entrust us with the preaching of your word. It is almost Lord, unbelievable that you would choose to do this with all of us. We are works in progress and yet you choose to limit yourself to partnership with people like us and make us your ambassadors, your official representatives to share the message of your love to other people around this world. Lord, help us to walk in the light of this and to receive everything that we need as ambassadors to welcome it, receive it, not to be ashamed to have it, to understand that you're here to protect us and to provide for us, and in every sense of the word, to make sure that our assignments are completed in the name of Jesus. And so we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the things that goes with this responsibility is to carry the healing anointing of God. Now, um... With an apostolic office, there are, there is standard equipment that comes with it, and that's fine. You know, we'll do that in just a minute. But you and I need to remember that believers are anointed to lay hands upon other people, and the hands become conduits of God's power. Okay? Just like if you want to play an electric guitar, you've got to plug it in. You want to turn on the light, you've got to plug in the light. You've got to turn on the fan by plugging in the fan to the power source. Okay? Hands are conduits. If you read the four Gospels, Jesus was always laying hands on people, and they could see it. The Bible says they brought children to him, and they were asking Jesus, would you please put your hands on these kids? They could see something happens when he puts his hands on them. And all through the Bible, the Bible talks about the importance of hands being placed upon people for the power of God to pass from the delivering person to the one that needs, to the recipient, to the one that needs the power. Okay? And so what we're going to do here tonight, if you're in need of healing, I want to lay these hands on you, okay? There's many verses in the Bible that talk about the scriptural precedent for this. All I'll simply say to you is this. It doesn't matter what the doctor has told you. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter... Uh, what your symptoms may be. It doesn't matter what the, the family history might be, all of this. Okay, well, my family, we've had a history of cancer. Well, we've had a history of heart disease. Well, we've had a history of diabetes. Never mind any of the history stuff, okay? In the body of Christ, you're a member of the body of Christ, the family that has no medical history, all right? In heaven, there's no sickness, there's no disease, and that's your, part of this, that's your citizenship there. Okay, So your family in heaven has no medical issues, has no issues with cancer or heart disease or diabetes or blood pressure issues or whatever else people walk around with saying, well, my father had it, my grandfather had it, my great-grandfather had it, and so I'm going to have it. Well, no. Once you get saved, you step out from all that. You become reporting to and citizens of and responsible for and protected by another country, and that country has no sickness and no disease. Okay? So let's all stand. Now, if you're one of those that I'm talking about, if you need help physically, I want you to come up here to the front. Let's, thank you, fellas. Let's move that for me, please. And please let me have the honor of laying hands on you for your healing, okay? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Now, if you're not in need of anything, good for you. But what I need for you to do is join with us up here. Pray in the Spirit. Okay, don't be thinking about where you're going to go for some food after service. Just don't, don't check out. Okay, stay with, the, stay with the service because we're not done here yet. The Holy Spirit wants to help people here. Okay, so if you're just, you know, text messaging and checking out your Facebook postings while this is going on, you're going to grieve the Holy Ghost. Don't do that. Okay, you can sit down if you want, but stay in the game. Be a participant with what's going on up here. These people need help for whatever it is they're here for. It's important to God, so it should be important to you. Because if you were standing here, you would appreciate the people standing behind you, praying for you, standing with you, rather than looking at their watch and saying, you know, how long is this going to go on? And I got things to do. you'd, You'd appreciate their support. So give that to these people here. Okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the power of God present to heal. Lord, you said... You said that believers shall go into all the world, preach the gospel, and signs would follow the believers. And one of those signs is that we, the believers, will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. So that's the promise we stand on here tonight in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. So when I lay hands upon my brothers and sisters, your power will pass from me to them to undo whatever it is in their body that's malfunctioning or in need of repair, or whatever needs to be removed, to be cursed and dead from the roots, whatever. Okay. We thank you, Lord, for what doctors are able to do. We thank you for what they try to do, but they're very limited in what they can do, really. But you, Lord, have no limitations. You don't practice medicine. You just heal people. So you are, Lord, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know that when you were walking on the earth, healing was just a normal part of your daily routine. So Lord, we thank You for this here tonight. In the name of Jesus, we thank You, Heavenly Father, for the power that in the name of Jesus goes from my hands to my brother. In the name of Jesus, receive Your healing. In Jesus' name, be healed in the name of Jesus. Thank You, Father. Thank You for the healing power of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, receive Your power. Amen. In Jesus' name. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Thank You, Father. In the name of Jesus, receive Your healing. Be healed in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus receive your healing thank you father in the name of Jesus be healed thank you father thank you lord amen in Jesus name receive your healing praise God in Jesus name be healed thank you Lord in the name of Jesus receive your healing in Jesus name in Jesus name be healed thank you father for the healing power in the name of Jesus thank you name of jesus receive your healing and people. in jesus name we pray. amen amen thank you father hallelujah oh thank you father let's all lift our hands and praise the lord everybody let's just thank the lord for his goodness let's just thank the lord for his kindness for his healing power for all that he did for us father we just lift our hands and praise you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength we worship you here this evening in the name of jesus thank you heavenly father for bringing your healing power into this service. Thank you for what you're doing in the bodies of all of my brothers and sisters here. We want to praise you. We expect to hear good news, good testimonies of all the things you're doing in us and through us in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Feel free to take your seats. There's something God wants to share with everybody. So let's just have a seat for a minute. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Just everybody, let's get quiet for just a minute. We're in no rush for a moment. Just let the Lord have his way. In your own heart, just settle things. You know, get yourself right with God. Settle it for the future. Okay. For I've told you in times past, says the Lord, and I've used this vessel to say these things, as a matter of fact, that this is a global outreach that flags around the world fly because of what you have done to help people like this servant and others proclaim my gospel in far-flung foreign lands. But I want you to know that your work here, the base, is very important to me. And I have great plans for this church, future plans, plans for good and not for evil, to bless not only this community, but also this state and this country. You don't realize the impact you are making So I'm going to encourage you here tonight to keep your focus upon me and not upon the people around you, but to remember that I have empowered you, I have anointed you, and each and every one of you is a very important player in my plan for this church. The devil has tried on several occasions to wipe this work out, and each time he has failed. And there will be future attempts to do the same, but each time he tries, he will fail. I am imploring you by my spirit to stand strong. Do not compromise my message at any time for anyone. And I will bless you and I will uphold you. And I will provide you with favor and sustenance and substance for things you need. Supernatural favor will surround you like a shield. Money will find you and overtake you. You won't have to look for it. I'll make sure you find it because I'll bring it to you. Because the best days for this church are still all ahead of you in this place as well as all around the world, in the many places where I have had my voice amplified and shared because of something you have done in prayer or with your finances. So rejoice because I am not finished with this church. Your best days are ahead of you. As the world continues to grow darker, this church will continue to shine brighter and brighter. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Amen. You know, we all need to be encouraged, and that was an encouraging word. Amen. You, th- let me just start by saying this. This church collectively is a very important piece in God's puzzle, okay? And you are the part of the church that makes the church what it is, okay? Please don't sit there thinking, who are we? Who's, what, what, what's Harvest Church? Norfolk is this little town in the middle of Nebraska, my God, what can we do for God? You folks are are doing more around the world than you even realize, okay? you You know, only heaven will, only eternity will be able to show us what we were able to do as a unit, okay? So don't get discouraged, okay? The flood, that's just one of Satan's attacks over the years that he's tried to use to shut this thing down, and the Lord just said, He's not going to shut it down. He'll continue to try. That's what he does. But at the same time, we're going to continue to stand our ground, not compromise our message. Amen. And God's going to fill seats. Amen. And he'll he'll surround us with favor. He said, favor like a shield. Amen. In the community as well as regionally, as well as nationally, and then internationally as well. Amen. Praise the Lord. So for me... I'm excited. You know, in in the spirit, I see flags on the walls, flags all around, okay, of all the countries this church has affected with the gospel, okay? You need to know that in the Philippines, see, you help us help Filipinos, and many of those Filipinos go to other countries, okay? It's, It's a multiplication effect, okay? We've got graduates from the Bible school that are preaching in Korea, Malaysia. They've gone to Singapore. They've gone to many places, okay? So that's you. Reproducing through us to them. Okay, you enable us to help them. They go out there and represent Jesus. You'll never meet these people until you get to heaven. But there's a long list and the long and the line is getting longer of people's lives that are being touched by the work of this church. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So be be excited for the future. I am. Amen. And I know that God's going to do great things. So again, Take advantage of the shirts, you know, if you want to wear something that's going to be an in-your-face message to people around you. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, Did this help anybody today, the message and the content of what we shared? Once again, you know, I know you folks give sacrificially, and I want you to know how much we appreciate that. You go to work, you work hard. We uh, take that very seriously. We do not waste the money that is given to us. We don't live uh, an extravagant life at your expense. We don't. I'm not going to have to answer for that okay? We, we, you know, we have a nice, comfortable car to drive, and, you know, we're, we're, we're okay. We can get around, praise the Lord, but I'm not going to waste money on me. We're going to use money to reach souls. Amen. Amen. So, thank you for your generosity. We appreciate that. Amen. So, Pastor? Well, let's take this opportunity and show our generosity. Amen? If you need an envelope, Would you raise your hand? The ushers will wait on you.